Hey y'all, it's your girl Michelle and A, and you're tuned in to Christ Over Culture, the podcast for Christian millennials. Today I'm so excited because we have Pastor Kim and Kelly in the building, two women of God, and we are here to talk about the Bible, all things Bible, the bunk myths, reading the Bible. I started my own Bible reading journey. And um, I have a lot of questions, so hopefully uh, we'll get to as many as we can today. And Pastor Kim is so knowledgeable. I'll kick it over to her to let her introduce herself, but she is definitely a Bible scholar, so you're in for a treat today. Pastor Kim, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Of course. Go ahead. Tell us about yourself, who you are. Okay, yeah. Well, other than being an associate pastor at Windsor Village United Methodist Church and overseeing the education uh, department there known as Insight, I am a mom. I am a grandmother. Um, I love strange sports. Just before we went on air, right? We were, yeah. we were talking about the fact that I love rugby. Yes, I know. Strange. And, and sumo. And sumo and wrestling. wrestling. <laughs> right. I know. Uh, real real deal, though. I mean, you know, the, the national sport of Japan. I, I like sports that are pure. Um, and so I also love strategic board games, designer board games, hobby board games. And other than that, I do a lot of music. Like to play the guitar, and you know, uh, learning to play the cello right now. Oh wow! So, um, trying to keep my mind, you know, happy and moving, and not just always do what I do at work. Yeah. So you have to have you have to have those hobbies and and diversions to keep your mind fresh, and I believe the Lord makes us that way. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And I know before we started recording here, you were talking about the international board game conferences that you've been to. Can you give us an example of a strategic board game? Because when I heard that, I wasn't sure (laughs) what that was. We were like, is that Monopoly or Scrabble? But it's very different. It is very different. So um, there are standard American board games that most people have played, like Scrabble or Monopoly or whatever. But there is a whole world out there called hobby board gaming or designer board gaming. Uh, And so something, if you go to Target today and you pick up what's called Catan, Settlers of Catan, or um, even something like Carcassonne, those are considered designer board games. And they have a little more strategic um, input that you have to do as the player. Um, And it's, it's really great social interaction as well as really keeping your mind sharp. Um, And so there are hundreds of thousands of people around the world that participate in this hobby. Wow. That is so cool. I love board games too, but I don't think I've ever played one of those before. (laughs) We'll we'll have to get together. Actually, actually this next Saturday at Windsor Village, Mm -hmm. um, we are having a family board game day from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Open gaming, door prizes um, throughout the day. And so that, that stop by. We'll teach you a game. Awesome. And that's in Houston, Texas, guys, for you all listening. So... Awesome. Cool. Next Saturday. 29th. 29th. April 29th. I'm going to put it in my planner. There you go. Cool. <laughs> so, Kelly, tell us about you. Kelly is all things, including a member of our Christ Over Culture team. Yes. I'm so excited <laughs> to have her here today. Hey, guys. Um, my name is Kalechi, but a lot of my friends call me Kelly. I am, just like Michelle said, I do a lot of different things. Um, one of the things that I mainly do is I own a tutoring company. I do academic consulting, but I'm also working on a blog right now, which is for female artists. And it is like a digital online gallery, all types of art. So I'm working on some art stuff. Um, Academics is a huge part of what I do. And um, I love to travel. So I'm always traveling. Fortunately, I'm here in Houston (laughs) for a little while. Um, Until I'm out of the country again next month. But I'm very glad to be here. I have a lot of questions for you, Pastor Kim. I have a lot of friends who have given me questions to ask you. So I hope we'll be able to get all of that into this short time that we have. And if not, I might be texting you some questions. Cool. 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 Let's hop right into it. Okay. So there are a lot of myths and there's just like a lot of uncertainty. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. when we think about the Bible, we think of it as like this really big thing that we Mm -hmm. can't really, I guess, manage like all at once or it it just seems like a big task to like read the Bible or really understand what it has to say. And then I think sometimes, at least for me, it was a challenge to like actually take this like huge thing or huge concept that is the Bible, and then apply it to my life. Mm-hmm. So 
when we think about myths, like I, I've heard something, I know we've talked about this before in our team meetings with Christ Over Culture, but like, is it a myth? I've heard people say like, just open up the Bible and just kind of point to a scripture, like God will lead you to where you're supposed to be. Like just open up the Bible and start reading. Is that true? Does that work? Well, I'll, I'll never say that the Holy Spirit doesn't use whatever He wants to use to get our attention, so I can't completely count that out, but that's sort of like rolling dice. Yes. Um, yes there's a whole lot, there, there's a much surer way to get what we need for life out of Scripture other than just kind of going, you know, opening the Bible and pointing my finger and hoping the Lord does something or says something. Um, so yeah, th- the reality is that there are proven methods over the centuries that have been developed uh, through the church, uh, and I believe empowered by the Holy Spirit, that give us ways to enter into the text in responsible ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that word, like responsible, like getting into the text in a mm-hmm. responsible way. Are there any myths that you've heard, Kelly, or things that you've kind of heard like over the years in terms of reading the Bible or studying the Bible? I have always heard, if this is your first time reading the Bible, just start with Psalms and go from there. People say start with Psalms, um, maybe because they feel like there are a lot of life lessons in Psalms, but I'm like, okay, after that, where do you go? Psalms is one of the largest chapters, so where do I go after I read Psalms? Do I go forward? Do I go backwards? So again, it's just, where do I start? And that's that's right. one of the... Um, the questions and the myths that I had is if I have never started reading the Bible or if I have started and I haven't been consistent, which is some um, an issue that I know I've had in the past, friends of mine have had, where do I restart? And do I restart with, with Psalms? Do I start at Genesis? Like Genesis is kind of far way in the beginning and maybe I feel like I need to be somewhere closer to the middle. So that myth of starting in one particular book just because it's popular and then going on from there. Yeah, and the Psalms are fine. The only thing I would say is that um, we often tell people to go read stuff that they're not equipped to understand well. Right. Um, and and so I just want to make that distinction now, Michelle, between yeah. reading and study. Yeah. So um, reading, I would say, is a more devotional activity where I'm going to the text to just let God love on me and to just hear some real basic practical stuff from my life today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is important and is necessary. It's the way I start my day. I, I read and meditate on the Word early in the morning. But then to really, what I call, wring out the rag or, or juice the orange, you really have to learn to study. And that's where I think the modern church has failed most of us is that we've said, oh, just go on Sunday morning or go to Bible study and we'll tell you what you need to know. When in reality, for most of the history of the church, it was a group effort. Um, People were taught, even in the earliest church, how to study the Bible in responsible ways so that there was a dialogue and a conversation between teacher and student. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question very specifically, if you're just a first-time Bible reader, I would start with the Gospel of Mark. Mark. The Gospel Mm. of Mark is the easiest linguistically. The Greek is very simple. Mm -hmm. And so therefore the English is much more uh, accessible to most people. Uh, And the story arc is like a drama. (laughs) Literally, it is based on a Greek dramatic story arc. Just like most plays, just like most movies, it is on that arc. You have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and an aftermath. (laughs) And so um, I always tell new new believers or folks who are just getting in the Bible to go to the Gospel of Mark for that reason. Wow. Well, I definitely want us to come back to Mark and really open it up and then maybe run through, you know, kind of what you're Mm -hmm. talking about, this arc. Mm -hmm. So let's step back for a minute. And you talked about how it's a communal effort Mm -hmm. and, and historically in the church, you know, like... It wasn't just necessarily one person reading. So why is it important to read the Bible for either a believer or someone who's maybe on the cusp that's sure. thinking, you know, like they may not be a believer now, but this may be, you know, part of their progression into becoming a believer. Why is it important to read the Bible? Because God chose to reveal himself in two primary ways. One is through nature. 
And number two, he gave us a set of documents to reveal himself. So uh, he worked through the lives of people to create these documents. He didn't knock people out and, and do this kind of weird dictation or anything through them. He worked through their lives as they were, as, as God had made them, uh, and called them to lead his people or called them to be a part of God's story. At the end of the day, the Bible is a collection of stories that tell us who God is, first of all, and then secondly, tell us how we were created to relate to God. Mm. At its core, the Bible is not a self-help manual. It's not a it's not a self help book. Wow, I think that that like is huge. a huge one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm big on self help books. Any, anybody who's kind of like <laughs> talked to me about my book collection, it's full of self help books. Like I'm just that person. Like I just like hearing different perspectives on how you can sure improve yourself. So for the Bible, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That is what it's not a self help book. No, so. What is it? <laughs> it's, it's the revelation, literally, of who is God. Mm, because is God that? is very different than us. Although we're made in his image, and we can talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is holy other. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy other. And he created us. Mm. And so to reveal who he is, he had to come to us in ways that we could comprehend. And that's primarily through story. Through story. Mm -hmm. Let me show you who I am. Like, God, I believe, is like the best third grade teacher ever. (laughs) For real. He takes what people know during the time. Like, say, for instance, the giving of the law in the First Testament, the Torah, what's called the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Um, God just didn't, like, stand up on a mountain and go... Here, I'm going to give you something you've never heard of and you can't understand possibly. But what he did is he communicated directly with Moses. And then what he gave to Moses was connected to common laws that were available in the time when the people called Israel were forming a nation after they came out of the Exodus. So it's called the Hammurabi Code, the Hammurabi Code. Mm -hmm. And so the Hammurabi Code out of Babylon is similar to some of the quote-unquote laws that are in the First Testament. Right. And notice I am saying first and not old. Mm. That's another one. Because it's not old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just first. It's the Hebrew scriptures. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, God took a common set of laws and then changed and altered them to reveal his character. So often God will start with you exactly where you are and then reveal himself. And then that relationship will alter our character. You know, God is not in the business of like, you know, putting his boot on your neck and saying, conform. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is why a lot of people are turned off, I think, from... Christianity or even from God in general, because they feel like um, God is a judging God. He wants us to be exactly how he is. He wants us to do exactly what he wants us to do. And if we don't do it, then something bad is going to happen to us. So I love the fact that you say God starts with you where you are and reveals himself and his plans for you throughout, you know, your experience and your life. And like you said, nature, I think that's a huge part. And I think The concept of God is so grand that as humans, in order for us to understand it, we have to break it down into these small parts. You know, we have to give God even a gender. We have to say, oh, it's he. That way, at least from there, we kind of have some type of idea. Maybe God looks like this. I'm trying to form an image of God. I want to try to understand this concept. What is it? How can I understand it? How do I How do I know when God is talking to me? How do I know what God feels like? So I love that you said God reveals himself to us through our experiences Mm -hmm. where we are. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily have to be at um, the end point in order for us to be learning or for us to be experiencing God in that moment. Absolutely. Um, Because we are created in God's image, and that means we are wired to be in relationship with God. 
And because we have that wiring, we have that reception ability, then when God does reveal himself again, primarily through scripture and through nature, for instance, if, if the earth were positioned anywhere else in the Milky Way, we would not be able to see out to the rest of the universe. We are positioned between two arms of the Milky Way galaxy. And God did that on purpose. So we can see out. Because the Psalms do say the heavens are telling the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And the glory of God is not light. The glory of God is his presence, his weight. And so, um, so there's the nature piece. We can see out. We can go, wow, I am so small compared to that. There must be something bigger and greater than I am. I wonder what or who that is. Mm -hmm. And then, so knowing that we are created that way because God made us, then he says, okay, now let me send you storytellers who can explain who I am and what your role is in this big universe to help you demonstrate um, who you were actually created to be. So becoming fully human, if you will, is realizing exactly who we were created to be. And so Jesus is that physical representation of God. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, this is what I created you to be. So see, you can do this. With my help, you can be all that I created you to be. Yeah, I love that. I mean, the whole like piece of relationship that you brought up, mm -hmm. I think as, I, as I've started to grow in my relationship with God, I've gotten a different perspective and more out of what I'm reading. So I think mm -hmm. sometimes like, you know, we think that people who, or at least for me, I thought like, oh, people who read the Bible must have like this great like Christian life or like they mm -hmm. are so far in their relationship with God. And I felt like I'm not there yet or I'm not as mature as a Christian. But as I've like gained my own relationship with God, I see that he meets me like right where I am. Like no right. matter if, you know, I'm like here in the beginning or, you know, I've known him for a long time or like I've tried to seek and study his word. It's kind of like no matter where I am, because I have my own relationship with him, I'm able to kind of get more out of the text and mm -hmm. I feel like mm -hmm. it's not for me or over or it's overwhelming. And that's one of the beautiful things about the Bible is that you can read it at many levels. Mm. So a person who is just starting out, like say you read through the Gospels, let's say you decided to start with Mark and you went on to Matthew and Luke and John. If you just read it at a very surface level, you could get to know Jesus, come into a relationship with him and grow in your faith and, you know, and, and go to heaven. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's the surface level um, can give you a very basic understanding of who you are and who God is. But there are persons who want to know more. Right. I think many of us want to go deeper, want to know more. And so he's given us deeper levels to go, to go through. And that's why over the centuries of the church, the scholars and ordinary people have come together and been able, been able to uh, come up with what is called doctrine, basic beliefs. Mm -hmm. So all the way back to the very, very earliest church, what we would call the primitive church, um, the thing called the Apostles' Creed, which you may see in the back of a, of a hymn book, or you, know, you may say at your church, or you may say at baptism time um, in a Christian church, the Apostles' Creed, the origins of it, the earliest forms of it, go all the way back to 60 AD, just about 20 years after the ascension of Jesus, 20, 30 years after the ascension of Jesus. So early on, the church, which is, again, not a building but a people, right, uh, began to formulate those basic belief systems around what they had observed in Jesus, what they had heard from Jesus, who was the representation of God. So the basic beliefs as a Christian faith go are very ancient. Mm -hmm. I like that it's like a representation of God. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I've heard you say that before because that that helps me knowing that, you know, God is telling these stories of people who look like me, even himself, right. you know, he came mm -hmm. down here. It just really, I think, reiterates to me, like, that same spirit lives in me. Like, I mm -hmm. can do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a creator that has created me. And 
I think it's beautiful that he represented himself and I can relate to him. Like mm-hmm. I, as someone who looks like me as right. opposed to, you know, something else that's not human, that didn't right. have emotions or feelings, you right. know, all of that that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, I've heard this before. This is a, maybe a myth, but I've heard that like maybe some people have been turned off from the Bible because they think it's full of laws, that it's really restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also heard that it's not perfect, that it's not perfect, that it's like, well, you know, how can you like really trust the Bible? Like it was written by all these people, like mm-hmm. it wasn't written by God himself. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect. Like, you know, how can I just go based off of that and just believe it's true? Right. Okay. So um, there's two parts to that question, right? Yeah. So you're talking about perfection. So um, again, we cannot apply 20 or 21st century ideas of literalism and perfectionism to a document that is quite ancient. There is a consistency from cover to cover that we see that the Spirit of God has implanted. I'm going to give you a big German word, so don't freak out. Okay. But the, I'm try not to. The, <laughs> the old German scholars used to call this thread of continuity the Heilsgeschichte. And that just simply means the high road or the high thread that um, runs throughout Scripture, which is the story of, of God's love for humanity and the story of redemption, that God never gives up on people even when people abandon Him. Hmm. And he is always in the business of recreation and restoration. So then the other part of your question is about laws and rules. Uh, so uh, laws and rules. So the better translation for the word Torah or, uh, is, is, again, teaching. And the better translation for the word law is, is the, the, uh, word, the Hebrew word mitzvah which is really um, about instruction or good works. So uh, the Torah is really a fence line rather than a list of rules. Basically, God is saying, if you stay within these fences, then you will be living as you were wired and created to live best. Mm. If you step outside of these boundaries, okay, I'm going to let you. But the reality is that you won't be living at the optimal way, in the optimal way that I created you to begin with. Mm, wow. mm-hmm. And so we see that happening in the book of Genesis. We see that, and probably a really kind of funny example of, of, of sheep not doing this. And oftentimes in, in the First <laughs> Testament, people are, are um, at least the people of Israel, are likened to sheep. They're compared to sheep. Uh, like in the book of Isaiah. So um, in Australia several years ago, which has a lot of sheep farming, there was this this sheep who escaped the fence of their farm, of her farm, and she lived in the wild for several years. And they found her like three or five years later. And because her wool had not been shorn in that period of time, it made her sick. Because she was not with the shepherd, She was not following, she was not staying in the fence line that she was given to stay safe and fed and protected. She had all kinds of diseases. It was a miracle she lived that long without care, without Mm -hmm. care. And so when they found her, they came in and she'd been alone all this time too. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, they took her wool off, they sheared her, and they put her back with the herd she had been with like years before. Mm-hmm. And the image of her, she just like ran in between two other sheep and huddled up next to them. So um, humans are much the same way. We are not meant or built to be absolutely isolated. And we are built to live within a, sort of, a set of certain boundaries that keep us safe and whole and moving in positive directions. Mm-hmm. Wow, for optimal living. Yeah, it sounds like. And so mm-hmm. that's really what the Torah, the fences, are about. Um, the, the better translation is instruction or fence. Wow. So like a instead fence of for instead of list living. of rules. So like a, a fence for optimal living. Mm-hmm. Is that a way to look? Stay at it? in the farm. 
Stay in the field. Stay in the field. Stay in the field. Stay in the field where you're supposed to be. You know, stay in the fence. Yeah. I I that's so important. That's that's a huge that's a huge weight off of the shoulders of someone who feels like reading the Bible is such a heavy, you know, burden laden Mm -hmm. thing. When you really just think about it, we all do want to know who we are. Right. right. Yeah. As we're in our twenties, we're millennials. That's one question we talked about last week. That's one question I'm consistently talking about. Who am I? What is my purpose? What am I here to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and you saying that this is like this is the guideline. Mm-hmm. This is showing you who God is, which in turn is showing you who you are. Right. So as you continue to read and you continue to understand God's word. Um, which, you know, we'll ask you again some more, like, you know, give us some tips that we can use so that we can really dive into it. But as we continue to learn, um, we learn more about ourselves as well. And this guideline for us to be our optimal selves, for us to be our best selves. So it's not so much um, a set of laws that are so harsh that if you do this, you know, you're going to die. Because like you just said, if we don't do it, God still loves you anyway. God right. said, I'm going to allow you to do, to step outside the fence. But when you're ready to come back, we'll be here. And don't say, I didn't tell you right. <laughs> how to say your butt in that fence. Like, I'm showing you right here with the Bible. This is what you need to do. This is, this is a guideline for you to be able to achieve the questions that we have. And I feel like maybe God wired us as well to ask that question so that we can then go back and seek him. So it's like a circle, right. you know, like yeah. we are created in his image, but if we don't know who he is, then we don't know who we then are. We don't know who so we, are. we have to continue in that cycle of learning God, which then helps us learn ourselves. Right. Or we don't know the bound, like, you know, what this fence is. Mm-hmm. Like I would have no clue what the fence looks like if mm-hmm. I never read about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an, a, another big thing too. It's kind of like, I guess that old saying, maybe if you know better, you would do better Mm -hmm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or at least, you know, now. So there's more accountability to it. But I think a lot of times I've been a Christian, like pretty much my whole life. I would say, you know, I've been um, saved and I believed in God uh, like all 26 of my years. But I can't necessarily say I knew what the fences were for optimal living, like, you know, or to to progress or to know my purpose or to understand God better, Mm -hmm. understand myself better. It's like. I just didn't know. And even now, I haven't read the entire Bible. I'm going through the process, but right. it's helping me, like, see, you know, like, what these, like, guidelines really are. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and so one of the places that I tell people to start if you want to know where those fence lines are is not to go to the book of Leviticus, but rather to go to Matthew, chapter, you know, chapter 5, 6, and 7, because that's where Jesus summarizes the whole Torah. He gives the fence lines. This is what the intention has always been. This is what I, God, have always meant. These are the fence lines. This Sermon on the Mount tells us where those fence lines are. And I I honestly believe if the Church of Jesus Christ got back to the simplicity of that sermon— so many of the problems we have right now would begin to be resolved. Mm -hmm. Because church has gotten um, really good at giving us lists of rules without relationship with God. And if you divorce those two things, if you divorce serious relationship, deep relationship, personal relationship with God from the list of rules, then you have a very empty dry, pointless exercise in some kind of spirituality that makes me feel good sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, I am wired to be in a relationship with my creator. I'm wired to be in wholesome relationship with my neighbor. Uh, And if I began to see everybody that comes into my path as my neighbor and as someone that God also made, and I began to see them that way, my whole perspective on how I treat people and how I treat myself changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I definitely want us to go into Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and talk okay. about it a little sure, bit. Sure, sure, sure. Yes. yes, I brought my Bible. We did too. <laughs> we hope you guys have your my Bibles son. out too. <laughs> so we're turning. We're flipping. We'll give you time to find your Bible and flip too. <laughs> so Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Right. And so... Do you want me to, I can just kind of give a, a couple of little general pointers. Yes, like if someone please. wants to start um, doing some more serious Bible study, um, I would say the first two things that you need to realize is one, history, the history of what's going on, the context, the historical context is so important. Context. History is, and Context is everything. Context is so everything. So historical context, numero uno. What was going on when this book was written? And then secondly, and I know, don't run away when I say this, but the language it was written in. English is fine. Again, you can know Jesus and go to heaven and never do anything I'm about to say. But if you want more, a deeper treasure, then the next step is historical context and dealing with the language. So the New Testament is written in what is called Koine Greek, K-O-I-N-E, Koine Greek, which during the time of Jesus was everyday, ordinary Greek. It was what people spoke when they went to the market. It was the language of commerce because of the Greco-Roman Empire. So it was Roman Empire, but they used Greek around the Roman Empire because it was the most common language. So um, the Bible, the New Testament, is written, the New Testament is written in Koine Greek. The First Testament is, of course, written in Hebrew. But when we're dealing with Matthew, it's a Greek. So those two things, uh, contextual history, history and context, what's going on, and the language are the two things you have to deal with. Awesome. And I remember, Pastor Kim, um, I, I took a Bible class with you right. a few weeks ago. And one thing that I never thought about was who wrote the book. And that was something that you shared, like, think about who wrote the book as well. Right. And that's part of that historical context. So mm -hmm. um, like I said early on, God used people to tell these stories. So mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what we're doing is that we're connecting our story to the story of God, right? Mm -hmm. Our story to the story of God, mm -hmm. and uh, Matthew was a follower of Jesus. He was a student of Jesus. Um, the word disciple just simply means student. That's all it means. And so he was a Jewish man who also happened to be, in modern understanding, an IRS agent. He was a tax collector. <laughs> so not well liked. Uh, by he was like calling people's phones. Well, I mean, they didn't have phones then, but yeah. what we would know now is people calling your Rolling phone. up on people's houses. Exactly. <laughs> Looking for you. Exactly. That's exactly who he was. He went around and collected taxes from fellow Jews. So he was viewed as a rebel. He was viewed as um, someone who was totally betraying his people. Mm -hmm. And Jesus chose him too. That's that's so powerful. It's like God can choose us. Like whatever we're doing, whoever we are, right. like he he can use anybody. Yeah. So I believe one of the reasons that Matthew was chosen was that he could write. Hmm. As a tax agent, he was educated in writing. Mm -hmm. Now in the ancient okay. world, writing was not a usual uh, skill. Mm -hmm. It was something that, unfortunately, slaves did as record keepers in the house. They would go around and keep records of what was going on in the house, uh, accounts, that kind of thing. And so tax collectors could write, keep, keep records. So it makes sense that God would choose him so that he could write down what mm -hmm. Jesus was saying, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the book of Matthew is primarily written to Jewish Christians, Oh, okay. And that's the reason that it has so many references, direct references to the First Testament. He'll quote it and he'll say, like, in Aramaic, which is a um, 
dialect of Hebrew, it means this, you know, or he'll translate things into the Greek from the Hebrew. You'll see that happen occasionally. So he's talking to an audience um, that primarily has a deep understanding of um, Judaism. And he's trying to demonstrate to them that Jesus fits the criteria for the Messiah, the Mashiach, the one who was to come in order to fulfill all the prophetic words in the Hebrew scripture, the first Testament about Messiah. So Matthew five, six, and seven. So So if I was looking at this, I have never opened up a Bible in my entire life. Right. I'm opening up Matthew five, six, and seven. What do I do? First of all, you need to get a translation that you can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would recommend if you're a first-time Bible reader that you use the message, the message, because it is in story form. <coughs> and it is an excellent translation for someone who is just starting out with the Bible. Um, and it's, uh, it's translated by an able Bible scholar who also is a pastor. And, um, but then... After you, you know, read and you're looking here, you're going to find, if you read different translations of the Bible, there you're going to find different ways to translate the words, right? Mm-hmm. So, blessed. When I say the word blessed, what, what do you think of what comes to mind? Um, I think, like, you, maybe there's something tangible, like, that you get. Like, if, you're, if you bless someone else, you may bless them, like, with money or you may give them something or, I mean, you're receiving something. That's when I... That's what I think of. Right, because that's the English connotation. But in actuality, the Greek here is a word called makarioi, makarioi, which actually has the connotation of happy. So blessed in the sense of being contented, not receiving anything particularly material. So makarioi, uh, I am, this, this just brings me delight would be a way to think about this. To have delight or contentment in life, you need to be poor in spirit, which is basically humility. Mm. A poverty of self. In other words, um, my, my sole interest is not the building up of self. Because what God knows about us is that as we build up others around us, as we build up the, the nature around us, as we give, we receive. So a poverty of self means I care, basically. Mm. I pick my head up and I, I look and see where uh, my gifts and graces uh, can aid in making the world a better place. That's a poverty of spirit, as opposed to saying, what can I do to get as much as I can for me? That would not be poverty of spirit. So it's all about the other person. Well, no, it's about you too. It is about you. Okay. Um, but seeing ourselves in context of others as mm-hmm. opposed to like me, myself, and I. I mean, unfortunately, our modern culture says get all you can for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's sort of like the, the individual is out of proportion. And really what Jesus is saying here is put yourself in proportion. Right. Mm-hmm. No, it is, it is about, it is about um, you, but it is also about you all. Because at the end of the day, we can't really grow as Christians well until we do it in community. Mm-hmm. All of these words in here that are translated you... Um, in the in the in Matthew five are in third person plural, and for you you English geeks out there or language geeks in Texas we call that y'all, <laughs> yeah. you all, <laughs> y'all, um, and it's not you singular. Is that okay. only for this, or is it in general? Many places in the New Testament it is third person plural. Not always. Okay. Not mm-hmm. always. But in many places, especially when Jesus is speaking to a crowd or he's speaking to his disciples, mm-hmm. he's speaking in third person plural, you all. Right. Yeah. So together, we have to walk this out together. 
Mm. I think that's why, you know, how you talked about reading in context is so important because right. you can just take a scripture. I'm, I'm guilty of this. I've taken it in. When I see you, I think he's talking about me. But And I'm included in the community, but it's like understanding that he's talking to us or y'all is yeah. important. Exactly. It is because we can make it too individualistic. Mm. Yes. I think that's our American society, though, because I think in other cultures, as I've traveled, I mean, the the attitude about community is totally different. I agree. Mm. So I think everything we do here is always for self first. And then it's like, get your relationship right with God before you can tell me what I need to do or get your relationship right before you can help me get my relationship right. It's like, eh, it is a community based thing. It is it a is. communal it's a communal experience. So I think that's like, that's a huge thing to take away from this, especially as I'm continuing to read and continuing to grow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like we're all in this together because mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I've heard, um, you know, as Christians, it's like we can be judgmental or mm-hmm. pointing the finger. And it's like, why don't you point your, the finger at yourself first? And I know it's like, you know, yeah, we have to work on ourselves as well as care about others and mm-hmm. bring everybody up. Um, but I guess that for me, that doesn't mean that like we shouldn't help each other or if we see something wrong that we shouldn't say anything. Like right. it's with the understanding like, yeah, I'm still growing too, but I understand we're all growing together. So right. I mm-hmm. feel a responsibility to like help myself and help you and then you help me or mm-hmm. so that we can all grow together. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you flip over to Matthew 7, it deals directly with that. Mm-hmm. Matthew 7, 1. And this is one of those lovely verses that is taken out of context. Ooh. So Matthew 7, 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. That means, okay, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. So... Verse 2 is often taken out of context, and it's quoted to talk about tithing or money or giving in the church. Press down, shaken together, and running over. Mm. Has nothing to do with money. Has everything to do with, if you're going to dish it out, you better be ready to have it dished out by the same measure that you gave it. Mm. Because that's the law of reciprocity. Right. (laughs) Wow. So, which which is a warning to all of us. Give the good news first before you go to telling somebody what's wrong. Because the next verse is, why do you see the speck that's in your, that's in your neighbor's eye, but you don't even notice the big log that's sticking out of your own? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's the verse I was thinking about. Yeah, exactly. So it's right here. And this is funny. So we don't think Jesus has a sense of humor. Yeah, it's like we think the Bible reading is boring. So serious. <laughs> so boring. Like, yeah. Like, but... This is hyperbole. This is is Jesus. Think of this as a dramatic reading. Jesus is standing up in front of literally thousands of people. His disciples are right in front of him and behind him down the hill are probably a good five to 10,000 people. We don't really know. We know that this is right around the feeding of the Mm 5,000. So he's like using his best acoustic drama voice. And he's saying, look, you need to stop judging your brother because look at the speck in your own eye, you know, his eye, and you have this huge log sticking out. Mm. That's funny. It is funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's trying, he's using hyperbole exaggeration to get a point across. Interesting. Which Jesus often does. Um, and so that, that gets our attention. It gets our attention to say, okay, well, whoa, before I start, correcting somebody else and wagging my finger in their face, I better look in the mirror first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can see like God, like Jesus being, I shouldn't say Jesus would have a neck roll, but I can really see him like, you know, being really dramatic, like, right. you know, like, what is it? Um, we're at set, we're at three, you know, like, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but 
don't consider the plank in your own eye. Like, I can see that with a hair roll. Yeah. <laughs> I like to say that this is Jesus keeping it all the way real. real? Like, oh, yes. <laughs> like, this is all the way take real. Take yourself, right here. boo. <laughs> right. That's it. That's it, man. Look in the mirror. Because verse five says, uses a theatrical term. We don't realize in, in modern English that the word hypocratus, a hypocrite, is a technical theatrical term, Greek term, which means one who wears a mask. Oh. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to write that in. One who wears a mask. One who wears a mask. That so makes sense. You one who wears a mask and pretends to be somebody you're not, take the log out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to um, perform surgery on your brother's eye. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So take the mask off, take the log out of your eye, deal with your stuff. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then we can all sit down and have a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to me coming at you from some point of like, I am way up here and you're way down there. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which also brings up the question for me. So how do I know? How will I know what these words mean? Do I just have to start studying Greek? Like, because we're, we're talking about context too, which is important. But if you hadn't have said what you said about what blessed really means or the you and third person, like those are not things that I would have known. Those are also... I don't know where to go to get that information to then read this in context. So what is your suggestion for understanding that? So there are several wonderful sites on the internet, and I'll give them a few of them to you. Um, The one that I use most often is Bill Mounts, B-I-L-L-M-O-U-N-C-E dot com. Bill Mounts is probably the foremost Greek New Testament scholar in the United States. Uh, And he has a site uh, for the everyday person. And uh, as you look at the menu there, if you click the menu, scroll down, and it will say Greek Dictionary. Greek Dictionary. Okay. You can put in the word in English. You can put it in in Greek. You can um, put the verse number in, you know, the verse address. And Mm -hmm. for those of you new to the Bible, that means the title of the book, like Matthew. And then you would put in the number seven for the chapter and the verse, in this case, like verse five, you hypocrite. So it would be Matthew seven colon five. And you could put that in in the search and it will show you um, all of the Greek words and it will, you can click them and it will open up in the definitions. Um, Dr. Mounts is also associated with BibleGateway.com, mm-hmm. BibleGateway.com. I've used that one. <laughs> yeah. And so um, his translation of the New Testament is actually there. And so you can um, choose his translation, and it is both in English and in what I'd call Englishized Greek. It takes the letters and puts them in an English script. Uh, and not in Greek script, and you can use that as a, so you can click on it, and it'll open up a definition on the side, too. Look at technology. Yeah. I know, <laughs> right. right? No, That's for real. So, so Seriously. A hundred years ago, <laughs> 60 years ago, 50 years ago, scholars would have died to have this information yeah. at their fingertips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the information's always been available in these huge volumes, these big books, mm-hmm. um, which can be off-putting to a lot of people. Yeah. But yeah. now we have technology that, that summarizes it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are two sites. The only other one I would recommend is called Bible Hub, BibleHub.com. Now, Bible Gateway and Bible Hub both have apps. Okay. Both um, Android and Apple. So if I'm being completely honest here, that seems intimidating for me. Like, I mm-hmm. that can seem overwhelming. Like, mm-hmm. not only are you reading the Bible, but then you have to go to another place to see what it really means. Yeah, and mm-hmm. maybe this is part of the delineation of reading versus studying. Yep. Mm-hmm. So reading, again, as we said early on, I can, I can read the Bible and just, you know, let the Lord love on me, and that's very important. So again, I get up in the morning, I read the Psalms, or I read something out of the New Testament. I just say, Lord, you know, what's, what's the direction for my life today? And thank you, Lord, and just let kind of, you know, commune with the Lord. That's reading, and that's important. But then I want to study, then I do have to use the tools. Mm-hmm. I do. 
Well, the way that I, uh, early on when I was first learning to do this methodology, was I would limit myself to a few verses. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, for instance, bite-sized pieces. Yes. Yes. You know, cut, up, cut it up small, right? So yeah. I would go to like Matthew seven, and I would only deal with maybe the first six verses. Oh, okay. 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 And I might spend, quite frankly, a week. Yeah. On those first six verses. Mm. Wow. And that is totally cool. Okay. Because I'm like, this seems like this could take a really long time, but when you in bite-sized pieces, I'm like. Okay, I feel like I can digest. Yeah, yeah. I can take a week. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, or, or, or however long. Or however you know, long, however long yeah. it takes me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, don't you know? Be gentle with yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're just starting out to do this, um, you you just just go baby steps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say, for instance, verbs and nouns are really important in the Bible, uh, and if you can go and look, like, okay, you may look up the word judge. Like, judge, does that mean what I think it means in 21st century English, or is there something a little more to it mm-hmm. in the Greek? In this case, no, not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it means it, pretty much that the, the meanings and the connotations have carried forward pretty well. Okay. But like the word blessed, like we saw in Matthew 5, the 21st century English connotation for blessed has changed right. or is different from actually, not necessarily changed, but is different from what that word in Greek meant in Jesus' time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where you have to go first, as far as study goes, responsible study. Okay. And I like this, you know, responsible study, you know, because I think that's that was a new, I guess, concept for me or way of thinking about this. Like mm-hmm. looking at the Bible is like, look, how do I read this or study this responsibly, you know? Right. And it's basically history. Context in history mm-hmm. and the language. And the language. And this just okay. gaining skills over time. You don't have to be able to do it all like wonderful like today, mm-hmm. but over a lifetime, mm-hmm. then you just improve. And, you, you know, um, this method is called inductive Bible study. And there are plenty of books and plenty of, uh, you know, video lectures out there on YouTube on how to do inductive Bible study. Um, and so you can just learn over time how it works. Inductive Bible study really means I start with the scripture itself and then I work my way out as opposed to, and Michelle's heard me say this before, running to Google and trying to figure out what the verse means. In the name of Jesus, I excise the demon of Google searches <laughs> for Bible study. <laughs> Uh, I guess you're exercising my demons because I definitely have done that before. I'm, I'm like, good for Google. What are they talking about? I have no idea. Let me see what other confused people are saying. Google, <laughs> exactly. Google, <laughs> exactly. Look, I'm good for Google. Google is like my opening tab. Yeah. Oh, I know. No, look, I love Google, but when it comes Bible to study. responsible Bible study, oh my lord, please stop now. Um, because like you just said, a lot of other confused people, yeah. and we can all just sit around and say, oh, what does this mean to me? Right. But at the end of the day, you don't have any footing when you say that. Right. Yeah. There's and no grounding. Right. That is, honestly, that's what I feel like Bible study is. I'm not knocking Bible study because I love talking about I love talking about the word or the stories with other people. But when I do have Bible study with my friends, like, I didn't know anything about Bill Mounts or Bible Gateway. So when we're having that Bible study, we can read this right here, and then we can talk about how it feels. We can talk about, well, how do I think this is applied to my life? Which is another question I have for you. Um, Sure. Applying this word, this text to today, and what does it look like today? Um, but yeah, and so we're all talking about how it feels, what we think it means, and then I leave, and I'm like, wow, it's that like- was great. But now I'm realizing, like, oh, maybe we need to dive into this a little deeper instead of doing, you know, the whole chapter of Matthew, the whole book of Matthew in a month. Maybe we should just you know, do these little bite-sized pieces and really focus on that instead of trying to go for quantity. Exactly. Be- yeah. Because um, I am no longer a fan of the word application. Because application is pretty shallow And mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, application, it, you know, the verb actually comes from the idea of like painting something over. Oh. 
I apply it over something. Like I put it on something. You know, I take this thing and I put it over this. As opposed to a word that I like, which is appropriation. Which means I take the principles that are there and I let them be absorbed into my very decision-making DNA. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm trying to get to is like, how do I start making this a part of my decision-making, like a part of my DNA where I'm like consciously thinking about it? And that's the Holy Spirit's job. That that little connector there Uh is the Holy Spirit's job. So that's how, why the scripture says, you know, this is the sword of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what makes that leap, helps us make that leap between stuff we see in the text and how it now affects my decision-making. It's that transformation piece. And only the Holy Spirit can activate that transformation. Matter of fact, it usually happens and you're not even aware of it. Just, Just by putting yourself in the presence of the Scripture and allowing it to, you said, Michelle, or you love tea, right? Yeah. So think of your best tea bag and that silk, that beautiful tea bag with the best tea ever. And you've like you heated your water just below boiling <laughs> and you put that tea bag in there and it takes what? Four minutes for it to permeate into the water. So that's appropriation. So allowing the scripture to permeate your life takes time. Mm. takes time. Mm. And we don't like that in our world today. <laughs> we want it now. I want it now. We I want to know what this means. Yes. Um, yes. And, and yeah, are there emergency times when you go, Lord, I just really need, I just really need to know a word. I just need a presence. Absolutely. But on your general day-to-day basis, what transforms our decision-making interior is uh, regular contact with the word in a kind of serious way. So for instance, um, there's a scripture that says, come reason with me, says the Lord. The reality is that Hebrew word could also be translated, come argue with me. Oh. Come question. Come sit with me. Come here, come here, come here, come here. You're not going to offend me. You're not going to upset me. Let's be real about this. And in community. So that you're all sitting there together. Like if we were to have time, we would all sit down here together and say, okay, now everybody, let's look up Bill Mouse and we're going to look at this word. Okay, here are the possible, here's the possible bandwidth of meaning. Let's see how it fits in this context. Mm, Okay. Okay. And then we could talk about, okay, wow. Okay. So if this doesn't mean blessed, like I think it means in 21st century English, but it actually means a type of contentment in chapter five of Matthew, then okay, wow. Now I can start talking about my own contentment or our contentment as a group or our contentment as a church or our contentment as a people. Okay. Yeah. And what Jesus is saying to inform how we get from here to there. Very interesting. Because we could, I could have taken contentment all over the place, but understanding it Mm -hmm. in the context Mm -hmm. or in this, Mm -hmm. like, you know, this, like you said, the possible meanings, it helps that would help me get more focused on like what it's really saying or what I can pull out of it. Interesting. Okay. So that really helps. I, um, I can say like maybe about a year ago, which is taking us back a little bit to get into maybe, um, why I really decided like I'm interested in knowing more about the Bible. I felt like, you know, I had been reading different chapters, but I started from the beginning mm-hmm. of the Bible. And maybe this is a myth. Who knows? But I was like, I really want to understand this whole story. Like this whole, like sure. from beginning to end, mm-hmm. this whole story. And I was starting to get overwhelmed by mm-hmm. a lot of the names or even yeah. what things meant. And I kind of stopped for a while. Like just sure. literally just took a break, like three months. Like I just can't. <laughs> like I, I would get the alerts on my phone. From my Bible app. Your so Bible I would read, app. Yeah, so I would read that, but it was just, like, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about reading the Bible from beginning to end? Does that make a difference or? It can. If you want the full 
35,000 foot view, I think that's helpful. Okay. But again, I would I would recommend you get a, a, a translation that's written more like that, which would be like the message. Mm. Okay. Okay. Where you get this sort of story arc mm-hmm. going on. Um, but then do that with maybe meeting with some folks or, or talking to people who kind of are, who've kind of done that before. Okay. So that you don't get lost in, right. in the woods, so to speak. <laughs> I was in the woods, yeah. y'all. I literally, I, I told my friends this because uh, I started it with a friend and she finished. And I was like, yay, I'm still working on it. <laughs> because, like, come on, let's, let's, be, let's be so real. In the Christian community, especially in the United States, it's a competition. Well, I read my Bible reading today and I, you know, I finished first. You know it what I'm is saying? A competition. <laughs> yeah, for us it was like, and <laughs> thankfully, so like, and my f- friend is great. Like, we didn't have a competition. Well, that's I, good. That's yeah, good. we didn't have a competition, which was great. And it just took me way longer than I expected. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what it was. It was like, okay, I can definitely do this. And then I just was like, no, I can't. Um, or I didn't finish it like right. when within the time I thought. But, um. Yeah, like just kind of, I I think I didn't have a message Bible. So I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I was reading it on my phone and it may have been like New Living Translation. And that's cool. New which Living was is good. good. Yeah, it was good for me um, just kind of in general. And then I got stuck. So what I didn't do was like connect with even more people, even like within mm-hmm. my community to talk mm-hmm. about it. Right. So that's one thing I'm going to, I want to start doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. So, I don't know. Maybe other people out there, if you guys are listening, maybe you've had that same, you know, kind of struggle too. Or you've gotten lost in the wilderness. Or I was like, I feel like the Israelites. Like, I'm just out here for 40 (laughs) years and I can't find my way back. But this is is definitely helpful, Pastor Kim. Like, just, and even for me, I want to start with Matthew just to, like, read that, Mm kind of dig into that. And then continue my Bible journey. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, excellent. So, what are some tips? So, we've we've definitely we've given like a miniature Bible study here. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Which is so awesome. yeah, this was awesome. What are like as a recap? What are some tips or tools um, to help us either as like new believers or if we're new to the Bible or if we've been you know reading the Bible forever. What? How do we read the Bible responsibly? Like, what does that consist of, and what are some of the tools we can use? So, yeah. So, basically, to recap, a responsible reading takes into account its history, like where was it written, why was it written, um, who wrote the book, uh, what period of time, and what audience. And you can find that um, by using what's called a Bible dictionary, which you can go to Google uh, Books and look up. And I will recommend one uh, by a guy named Craig Keener, K-E-E-N-E-R, Craig Keener. Uh, And he has the IVP, IV as in victory, P as in Paul, IVP, um, New Testament, historical commentary. And it gives you all the historical background for the book in general and then specific things along the way. Um, That's a good place to start. And then as far as the language goes, um, the tools that were recommended earlier, BillMounts.com, BibleGateway.com, and BibleHub. And again, BibleHub and BibleGateway have apps. Um, And do this in community. Do this with with folks. Um, And if you can find somebody who's done inductive Bible study before, um, do it with them and let them teach you. Because in a lot of ways, Bible study is like an apprentice program. <laughs> you need somebody who's kind of done it a little bit yeah, um, to help guide. And th- and it's like any skill. The more you do it, the better and easier it becomes. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you, Pastor Kim. Thank you. This has been so yes. helpful. No, it's and been a lot of fun. I, I know. I'm like, we have to get you back on here to <laughs> another I know. Uh, Bible study. Yeah. And, and dig into some more questions. So what are some of the things that you have coming up? I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of hobbies, a lot of interests. Yeah. What are some of the exciting things that we can look out for yeah. from you? Well, one of the things um, uh, I uh, co-own a business called Wasp and Bee Publications, LLC. Um, and we are a curriculum, Christian curriculum development and virtual classroom uh, developer. And we have cool. a podcast coming out in the summer. So look for it called Defining Faith. Defining Faith. We have a Facebook site. And the um, uh, point of that podcast is to take 
common quote unquote faith words and define them, help clear up the misunderstandings associated with these words like righteousness and uh, discipleship and these kind of Christianese words uh, and help help redefine and clarify. So if you go on our Facebook site, we would love for you to list some of those words that you've always had trouble with. <laughs> and um, we'll try to include them over the next few months and weeks. But look for um, on the Facebook site. We'll announce when that goes live. Uh, but it'll be this summer. Summer. Awesome. Defining Faith. Defining Faith. And if you're on, on uh, Facebook, it's Defining Faith Podcast is okay. how you would search for it. Defining Faith podcast that's, that's it awesome. all right guys well make sure you check that out any other last thoughts or questions that anybody wants to leave with mm-hmm. what is your advice for millennials appropriating what they read in the bible to their lives on a daily basis um i believe if you start with the teachings of jesus and you say whatever jesus said whatever jesus did I can do that too. And he's a pretty darn good model for how to make decisions in my life. So how did Jesus live? Go do that. I mean, it really kind of boils down to that. Mm -hmm. And you can't find that out unless you do go to the scripture. Mm -hmm. But get a translation you can understand. That's great. Me too. On that note... This has been the Christ Over Culture Podcast. Thank you, Pastor Kim, for being here and Kelly Thanks, for Pastor joining Kim. us today. We're so excited. So, as always, you know, you can catch us on Facebook, you can catch us on Instagram, and on Twitter at Christ Over Culture. Please follow us. Let us know if you have any questions. We'll collect all of them as much as we can. Get back to answers. Get back with answers for you. You can hit us up on ChristOverCulture.com. You can leave a message there. Let us know if you're liking the podcast, if you learned something, and share your testimonies with us. It's your girl, Michelle and A, and this has been Christ Over Culture. Stay blessed, y'all.